Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a super special roundtable episode of the Film Stage Show. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. Today on the show, we have Michael Snydell and Bill Graham, but they're not going to give you an introduction, because here's what happened. Before beginning our episode on Cold Pursuit, Bill and Mike and I decided that it would be a good idea to address the controversial statements that Liam Neeson made during an interview at a junket wherein he admitted to having specifically targeted members of the black community in Northern Ireland in a bid for vengeance regarding a friend of his who had been raped. This conversation went on a while, I think is the best way to put it, and so we decided to pull it out of the episode and frame it as its own special roundtable episode. So here we are, going to talk about Liam Neeson's statements, and then how those statements play into the wider cultural conversations that are going on around race, around sexual violence, and around the concept of cancellation culture, I think is a way to put it. So anyway, Cold Pursuit will be released as its own episode wherein we will review the film, and this will stand as our hour-long conversation about the changes that are happening, thankfully, in our industry, and questions around what kind of cultural conversations are necessary to have, what kinds of people are good to have those conversations with, and a number of other topics as well, including some personal stories from our own lives. But before we get into that, of course, we have to do our front matter. So you can follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Find us on iTunes, give us a comment and a rating, email us, podcast at thefilmstage.com. And of course, go to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow to give us your money so that we can produce even more great content. In addition to that, let us remind you, as always, that we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, wherein every day... Their beautiful curators bring you a brand new film for you to watch and enjoy. You have 30 days to check out that film before it disappears, so that means that there's always a 30 film selection for you to check out. We have talked a lot, a whole lot, about their Sundance takeover, which currently has But I'm a Cheerleader, Pie, a whole bunch of other great films that have uh, premiered at Sundance, including Winner's Bone by Deborah Granick. Who did Leave No Trace, which we of course loved, including Rise, which Michael Snydell says that he really wants to see, Little Odessa from James Gray, who did The Lost City of Zed. They've also got a bunch of other great stuff happening, and because it is festival season, early festival season I should say, we got the Berlin Al takeover, which includes Yesterday Never Ends, the new film that just came out today. So check out Mubi, go to MU bi.com slash film stage and you can get a free 30-day trial of movie on us isn't that swell so that is that hopefully you find this conversation that we had to be edifying thought-provoking and hopefully we don't infuriate anyone enjoy i i think that this is a, a film that would have it would have been very modest. Uh, it may have been a modest success. I, I don't actually have the commuter numbers in front of me, but I think, I mean, even based on the trailer for this film, it very much looked in the vein of our recent, like the Jean Calais uh, Sarah collaborations, like the commuter and run all night unknown, et cetera. So like, I, I think what beyond the actual content of the interview I, the timing of it is nothing short of disastrous. So this was in a um, – of course I'm not going to be able to remember the outlet. This was in a junket interview with uh, Liam Neeson, uh, Tom Bateman, and uh, I believe one other smaller performer from this film. And uh, this happened – uh, last week, like pretty much right at the beginning of this past week, uh, before Cold Pursuit was going to come out. And in the interview, uh, Liam Neeson was asked how, where he finds the motivation, or, or not the motivation, but the, you know, how does he uh, channel the anger and the pain that comes into so many of these recent films he've, he's done, which often focus on revenge for something that has happened to some things, someone close to him. 
And he uh, recounted a, a very disturbing story that is disturbing on its own, but even more complicated in how he how he specifically brought in a racial element. Uh, basically, the idea is that someone close to him was um, was raped, and um, he was so furious at that time uh, that he thought about uh, g- killing the person who did it. And he didn't know the exact person, but he knew that the perpetrator was black. And so for – a week in his younger years in Ireland, I think he said he was in his 20s, um, he went around with a, a kosh, which I'm sure I'm not the only one who looked up the meaning of that word this week, which is, is kind of a cudgel from my understanding. And um, said that he would have that he would have killed anyone who got in or any black person who would have gotten his face. Understandably, this interview uh, caused a lot of problems from from a number of of different levels. And I, I think that there are it's also a really terrible magnet for think pieces in terms of Liam Neeson's recent career trajectory and the roles he's been playing. But there is something also an unusual and honestly worth talking. Uh, it's worth saying here that we did have short internal conversations about whether we should do this film at all um, or whether we should focus on something else. And uh, we thought it was important to talk about this. So what's partly very strange about this is that Neeson came out and admitted this homicidal uh, racially charged urge. And then the, the more complicated follow-up is that it it was never about specifically trying to kill a black person. It was about trying to kill someone who represented a perpetrator. Now that I don't let that statement land lightly because it, it's it's very loaded uh, and it requires um, I. I, I want to break in real quick. No, sure, and, please. And just I, kind of give give a little bit of additional context because in the piece he makes it very clear that he no longer feels that way and that he actually feels terrible that he ever thought those things and basically he admitted to that under the guise of how powerful revenge and how powerful just the state or the, the area that you kind of live in and grow up in, uh, it's racially charged kind of atmosphere can turn you into this person that you just think back on and kind of don't recognize. And so I think it's, I think it's important to say that, yes, he admitted to having these feelings and thoughts, but also put it in the context of, that was awful, and I can't believe I actually thought those things and you know went through that period of my life. Um, granted, that does not discount what he said, why he said it. I don't know. Um, and you know, just kind of it's it's such a weird atmosphere because like he said it in the middle of a junket interview mm-hmm. that like you get five or seven minutes with these people and he did it while like his co-star was there with him. Sure. And his co-star is just like, Whoa, junket and, junkets are like all fluff for anyone yes. who isn't familiar with what they're like. Yeah. yeah. And, and you basically are sat down in front of these relatively famous people, sometimes on a microphone or sometimes in camera and sure. just like, hi, nice to meet you. Okay three, two, one, go. And 
you start asking questions and he just dropped this on on this this female reporter and if if it was me i would have just been like wow and he kind of moves on through the interview like he kind of quickly swerves away from this this period and the interview kind of seems to go on, but sure. you know, as an interviewer, you're not, you're not prepared for that. You're not expecting that. And he offered it up really kind of out of the blue and then quickly served, swerved away from it. And so the interviewer wasn't able to really kind of dig in. And I guess he's done a, an interview on good morning America, yes. um, which I didn't get, have a chance to kind of catch up on. Um, but yeah, so there's not a lot of context except for, I guess, hopefully this Good Morning America interview. And maybe y'all can kind of detail that a little bit. I, I think the one other thing I want to mention in terms of uh, – Bill, you're you're absolutely right. I did need to mention that he said that this – I really need to contextualize that this was in the past that he was saying this. Right. But it, he was, it, was, still... it was a long time ago, and he it wasn't like he was bragging about it. Like sure. he wasn't saying like, I'm such a badass. Like I totally did this once, but yeah. it is still, it is still interesting. And the, the reactions that have come from that in a few different ways. One is that he is also still kind of dealing with uh, PR from last year on a widow's junket where he called, uh, things like Weinstein, a witch hunt, so coming after that, I, obviously these are not the same thing, but I'm saying that the perception around this and especially in the online world where it is very difficult to like, you know, from individual to individual, you will have vastly different ideas about whether someone can change. And, you know, I, I've met just as many people you know, who have put the bad behind them, who have, who have, uh, said that you really can't ever change your nature. So that's also been this ongoing thing that doesn't necessarily have any absolute truths or anything, but I do think cast this story in a different light than a lot of celebrity controversy, uh, that comes in this way. I, I, I don't know. Do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about here? Or do you think I'm, uh, I mean, there's certainly a lot more bite here. I think, I think without having the context of, of seeing that good morning America interview at this point in time, I can't really say too much because he's, you know, as much as I'm like, well, let's hear more of this story, the less I still want to hear l more of the story. Like, to be honest with you, this should have never come up. This should have never been mentioned. This should have never been a news item, period. Like, this is – the junket time pe time place is not the – the the situation to have that conversation and then to also contextualize it so he kind of stubbed his toe there by basically admitting to this thing that really needs a lot of context and really needs like like an actual interview surrounding that sure with with like some declined. preparation he declined sure. a further interview with that that reporter i i can't imagine why <laughs> no, no sir you know, i, I do want to like, say that like, reporter uh, no <laughs> I do want to say that reporter did their due diligence as well in talking to uh, a few different um, psychological experts, yeah. one in mm -hmm. terms of trauma and one in terms of um, – oh, geez. I forgot what her specialty – but it was in relation to race and how uh, how violence works in relation to race. But um, like th that reporter like absolutely made that into a, a more substantial piece. Right. Uh, like I, I feel like a, a much less I won't, I, uh, I'll say ethical. A much less ethical reporter would have just like kept it as its clickbait. But mm -hmm. that reporter by actually like digging in and reaching out for experts to try to like contextualize what he said and like made it more of like the societal you know bellwether that it should have been. And that it could have been if, if sure. I think like, you know, the Internet hadn't just decided that they wanted to cancel Liam Neeson. Sure. 
Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's tough because, like I said, w- without kind of really exploring, like, okay, how does he feel about this now? Like, like, w- what journey did he go on? I think a lot of this has to end up being speculation and just you know either you are on the side of someone can change or you're on the side of if you had those racist thoughts then you will always have those racist thoughts and you know revenge is in your heart um the the scary thing to me is that he makes it plain and and some people are kind of noting like you know, don't get crazy. Like Liam Neeson never would have never killed somebody. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not what he says. Like he says, like he would have tried to, to kill someone if they had given him a go. And so like, (laughs) you know, we could be looking at a very different reality if, if that had actually shaped, uh, or shaped shook out, you know, um, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, like that's 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 sort of where I'm coming from because, like, it, it, when 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 this was first brought to my attention, this whole interview, and I read it, and I was like, well, yeah, like who hasn't had a moment like that, you know? Because I I hadn't really connected it at first to the concept of like it being specifically about race, which I should have known would be the thing that would pop the most because, like, in my past in college, I knew two girls who were um, assaulted by guys at frat parties. And so mm. I I went to frat parties after that, hoping to see something like that so that I could intercede in a, like, brutally violent fashion. Like, I did the same thing that Liam Neeson did. And it's, it's, it's a very human thing to, like, look at someone you care about who you failed to protect and just be like, well, now I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make that my thing. Like, that's legitimately what we want out of like at least two of the most popular superheroes that we have in in popular culture now like the concept of what's the word i'm looking for like uh, helping to ameliorate the guilt that you feel over not being able to do something when you were powerless makes you go out and try to like have that power so like i would go to parties and like pretend to drink and like keep a very close eye on all of my friends, like waiting for the moment that like someone would step over a line so I could beat the shit out of them. And like, mm-hmm. it never came to that. I definitely did have physical altercations with people, but like, it, you know, there was a point during it when I was like, this is like not healthy. And like, I could do more good by just like, you know, well, obviously I believed them because I, I wouldn't have gone homicidal if I hadn't believed them. But, like, by being there and being someone that they can talk to, because, like, they're still alive and they're having to live with this. Mm-hmm. And, like, how do I help? Sure. And I think that, like, that's the thing that you you come upon. So, like, there's this there's this thing that's kind of going on where we, like, don't want to hear about the times that the people that we look up to or who produce things that we like. Did something shitty. <laughs> right. Like, didn't live up to, like, our expectation of them. But, like. That's sure. the entirety of life. Like, you, and and what counts is, did you do it? Did you pay for it? Have you grown from it? And I would say that, like, yeah, like dropping it in the middle of a uh, of a, a press conference, you know, junket thing was probably not a good idea. But I mean, and the way that the the journalist wrote about it, you know, it seemed almost like he couldn't believe he was finally saying it. And like something like that can weigh on you mm-hmm. for a while. And you can be shocked at, like, the moments when you will let something crazy like that slip out. Sure. And he even says, like, you know, I've never told him about it, and now I'm telling a journalist, like, God forbid. You know, but, like, it's... We can't, as a culture, allow our, our, like, desire to punish people for bad things, keep us from also having a broader cultural conversation about them. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was a real big opportunity to do that. And when I read that article, I thought it was so great that the journalist had, like, talked to people. And, and like, one of their experts said, basically, like, yeah, like, we think about, like, what happens to the victims. But, like, we never really talk about, like, what happens to their families and loved ones. Because, like, it's a trauma that ripples outward. Absolutely. And, like, like, in college, you know, I'm not going to use any names or anything or give any identifying details. But, like... There was a 
a girl that I knew and, you know, she was like 18 at the time. So girl, young woman, you know, I was the same age. We were freshmen and a thing happened to her and like no one believed her. Like all of her friends thought she was lying and just like regretted doing something. And I was the one person who did because I knew her like better than all of her, her supposed friends did because I don't know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't stop telling me about herself. So <laughs> we had like the kind of like stupid uh, sitcom friendship where it's like, she likes to share too much. And he's like a guy who doesn't like to speak at all. And then one day she comes up to me and she's like, I have to tell you about something that happened last night and I'm rolling my eyes. And then she gives me the details and I was like, holy shit, is he still here? I'm going to go murder him. And she's like, no, he left all this stuff. And I was like, well, well, like, did you tell anyone? Like, what about like your friends? What about like the people who know this guy? And she was like, no, like they didn't believe me because like they believed him. And so I was like stuck in this like mire of just like ultimate fury and was lashing out at like everyone on the floor. <laughs> and I, uh, I lost like a shit ton of social capital with people because they were like, you know, Brian's for some reason turned into a rage monster. And meanwhile, like she was silently suffering and she felt good that I believed her. But she also then started to feel worse because me believing her was like hurting me socially. It was like this stupid fucked up situation that like doesn't really make any sense because we never talk about the way that like these things impact other people and the, the way that like it's not just you that goes through something. Uh-huh. And and so like this this whole thing happened. I was like, this is going to be, this is my naivete. This is going to be a really interesting thing to plumb into, especially given that there's a movie that comes out that like has a revenge tilt, but that I've heard through like early reviews and stuff plays around with the formula and like interrogates it a bit. And so maybe this will be the moment where we like sort of turn our back on these films and say like, you know. Even if, like, the movie's talking about revenge and says that it's bad, maybe we just need to stop making them. Or, like, make them like Taxi Driver, where it's clear that the person is screwed up, and that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. But we never we never got to that point, because we, we as a culture seem to desire symbolic wins a lot more than anything that's actually productive. Well, and I think... It's a, and it's... it's, a, it's I don't know. It it bums me out. Like it just it doesn't I, like I think... you you uh, for people out there in pain. Something like this can be the type of thing where you feel like okay, now this is my opening. Like this is my peg. Like I can talk about the poor decisions I've made that I felt ashamed of and that like I've been quietly trying to fix. But then you see that like there is no atonement and there's no confession like you have nothing and nowhere to go like you you have to make your mistakes and then shut up and then hope that no one ever finds out about them because you're you're screwed if they do and you can't like no one's gonna and like obviously there are people out there who make a big palliative show of like oh i'm so sorry for what i've done and then five months later they're back on their bullshit you know louis ck is fucking done and he deserves to be because he 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 made a statement and then like nine months later was like back on stage being worse than before, but like openly so. Mm-hmm. But someone who is living with something and wants to get it off their chest and doesn't feel safe to, like all it does is curdle inside of them. And like maybe they have a support system or an internal personality that can like hold on and make it through that. But if you if they don't have that, then all they've got is this like gnawing sense of their own worthlessness in the culture that generally will eat them away until there's nothing left and they're like a, a an empty vessel. I think I think there's two things that definitely need to be addressed. Uh, first, there is an entire profession dedicated to this, and it's you know uh, it's out there, it's available. If you need to talk to someone, there are people definitely available, and maybe the press is not the people that you want to have these kind of confessions with, right? Um, and so you know, I think that's unfortunate that 
it had to come out in in this format in this form in this medium uh do i think liam neeson probably feels a, a little bit better about like having gotten this off his chest probably i wish he would have done that with the counselor or with, well he did with, talk to a he, priest but like okay there's a there's a difference though in my head like a, a counselor usually their job is to like help you to function better and their their job isn't to be the sin eater that absolves sure. you of everything you've done. Like you still need to be able to function in society. And mm-hmm. yeah, like again, maybe I, like, but I don't, I don't know. Like, again, this is something that he did 40 years ago for like a week. Like, it seems weird that he would like call a press conference or like Katie Couric and sit down on like a primetime interview to talk about it. Sure. Like, but that, I, and, I mean, go ahead. I, I I, I I mean, are you saying in reaction to him uh, admitting this oh, once, on once he said a, it at the junket? I mean, maybe he should have like I mean, he did. He sat down for Good Morning America. But I'm saying like yeah. if he's sitting there and this is his like seventh revenge movie in a row and he's just having the kind of day where he he finally just is like, you know what? I have to say something like I have to say something mm-hmm. because I've sure. done this and I know it's dumb and like I'm worried that maybe people are taking the wrong messages from this and he just like he just i don't know not explodes but like the dam breaks like i've had moments like that on this podcast like where i i suddenly stop talking i'm like oh fuck what did i just say uh if you'd like to hear one of those i'm pretty sure our manchester by the sea episode is still out there somewhere um you know it's it's one of those things that that happens it's and i don't know like but when i first read about it i was like clearly this is not a good look for him but I think that there is something to be said for being able to expiate this event and then like like the like the journalist did in their article, like talk about it, like talk about the fact that like a society that is intrinsically racist or has deep divides like Northern Ireland, you know, can breed something like that and will make someone do something like this without them even having what they suppose to be like a preset basis for it. Um but like instead we just were like well well leonis and sucks and he's canceled and like that's that's not helpful in any way it's and like some people will then say well it's like it's not our job to help people but like it is we're a society we have to talk to each other we have to be able to work through these things that's how like we get better people aren't born perfectly good they have to be like tested and like kiln fired and and guided by the society around them and if our society's reaction to a confession like this is you don't deserve a career and you don't deserve love and you should go into a hole, then no one's ever going to say anything and no one's ever going to learn anything. Brian, but I, I agree with you that the extreme measures are absolutely the problem here. But like I think it does also need to be said that like while – I, I find – I do find it deeply powerful that you empathize with that violent – urge and in the way that you do talking about your experience with with your friend in in the past but like it is very much a difference to make a racial connection compared to like fraternity members and i want to i'm going to quote exactly from the piece so this is the belfast telegraph piece this was the original piece and you, you were talking about how race did become the you know that became the flashpoint of this as opposed to any larger thing and that is in part of how it is worded. Like it, so this paragraph says it was some time ago. Neeson had just come back from overseas to find out about the rape. Uh, quote, she handled the situation of the rape in the most extraordinary way, Neeson says. But my immediate reaction was there's a pause. I asked, did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. The the way that he tells this story and jumps immediately to race, even as we start like academically rationalizing why he does that, is part of the reason that people did get so angry about this. Like, I, I don't want that to get lost. You are absolutely right that we need to have healthier conversations about how to handle anger and how how when something happens to someone you love how you deal with that and how you cope but 
I, I think the other extreme that unfortunately gets lost in that is that like race is also something in here. And so even as it has become a throw a baby out with the bathwater situation, like it, it is something that race, like casual racism is like, a, it's a major epidemic in Hollywood and it isn't uh, called out. So like, you know, I especially saw like, in particular, a lot of people, color reporters who had just no time, no sympathy for this whatsoever, because they're like, are you kidding me? Like, we get that he was angry about uh, – sorry, a- angry about um, this friend, but like it's still contextualized within a racist urge. And whether that's in the past or not, how he tells this conversation – feels like it's a continuing a narrative, whether that's right or wrong. So that that is where I'm coming from is like it, it is does again come down to extreme measures in both ways in a way that this story no longer has any possibility of helping anyone. No, absolutely but not. I, but but it is still I, I think both sides are too easily forgetting the other aspects like i just don't think that the like even like it's weirdly productive that yours was a fraternity as opposed to this being literally well like uh, a black person like those are those oddly illustrate something (sighs) right mine is is more acceptable sure and there aren't stereotypes around fraternities as follows the black community. Like it's just like, there's such a a level of baggage in relation. My, my issue with that is that then the only way to, to then rob this story of that power that would lead to like a broader social conversation about, you know, violence towards women and the way that it, it, you know, people always say like women's rights are men's rights. Like, you know, there's a whole, Sure. Like the cancer in the society is rarely ever going to keep itself to the people that it initially targets. But like the only way to change that is to change the facts of the case. And like this goes back to the question of like, is it bad that he did it or is it bad that he talked about it? Like it, if he talked about it and left out the racial aspect and just said, you know, a friend of mine was raped. Sure. Uh, and like I went after someone, you know. But then, like, then that that's that's it's not true. It's not like real. That's not like what happened. And that would that would be a little to me more craven and bad because it would show that like he's still trying to cover himself. And like, you know, I I had brought up to you like it it to my mind it becomes more problematic if if and this is something we can never know because we can't go back and like change the situation. Sure. But like if, if his friend had said that she had been raped by like a white guy, would he have like not done the same thing? Or, you know, given that it's Northern Ireland, if she somehow knew that the guy was Catholic or Protestant, you know, would he have gone to church or something like that? Right. Like, you know, maybe, maybe she, like he's a Protestant guy from around the block. Who's like always like yelling at the Catholics. And he was asked as much in the Good Morning America interview. What was he not? I, yeah, I believe that he was, and he said, "Yeah, I would have, I would have gone after whoever sure. she said it was." And like, but that becomes it's it, that's it's a whole other thing of like, you know, and that. But that's the crazy part is that like that to me is actually the part of this that like has the most to say about like our society currently. And, you know, fucking God forgive me, I'm going to invoke Trump. Like, you know, people are constantly talking about, like, Trump wants to, like, quote, stop the caravans, end quote, and, like, build the wall and shit. And he's basically being like, you know, here are some people who were victimized by illegal immigrants. And it's like, okay, but, like, white guys keep busting into places with guns and murdering people. So why are we focusing most of our legislative action on on the immigrants? It's like, because one person did something wrong... Now an entire group of people feels the need to make victims of everyone who looks like them. That is a very real thing. And and we like to to have the opportunity to speak about that and to say like what is it about us as a species or a society? Like is it a biological thing or is it psychological where one bad experience will taint us forever 
is lost now because again we have this desire to just like immediately come down on the person and then to scream about the idea but never actually try to do anything to like to fix it because we feel like that moment where we we say like Liam Neeson's canceled and then we just feel good about ourselves and it's over because we feel like we could just cancel the problem out by taking away all the people who do it but like that's not going to stop new shitty people from replacing them well i mean i i think it's interesting because i actually saw some some healthy conversation about this and and whether to take race out of the factor or to keep it in there and how this whole conversation went um unfortunately I hate to bring up the differences in social media, but uh, there are those differences. And oftentimes Twitter is just a reply and scream at the void. Whereas like Facebook, you actually end up having and looking and seeing conversations actually happen in real time. And so I was able to kind of witness some conversations about this on Facebook that were happening and it was interesting. Unfortunately, a lot of that was a lot of white males. Um, but just the same, there was a lot of attempts at trying to contextualize why people were getting so bent out of shape about this and things like that. And there was some interesting conversation about like, is is race a factor that can be like taken out of this piece or is race the only factor that needs to like be addressed about this piece or you know how how do we contextualize and how do we take this this information and and you know move forward with it can we can we learn from it can we grow from it and you know there was there were some interesting conversations around that um it wasn't just well, Liam Neeson is canceled. And you there know, were, it was there. There were people on Twitter who were who were doing better at that. There's um, Richard Newby, who is a mm-hmm. uh, freelance writer who has uh, contributed to the Hollywood Reporter um, and the New York Times. Like the did he do an happened, editorial? Um, I just saw the tweet that he did. Oh, okay, sorry. He said, "I think Liam Neeson's anecdote is true for a number of people who would never admit it." And it's tied up in a culture. I find the admission of his wrongness and the fact that he laid it out more worthy of a conversation than Liam Neeson has canceled performative bullshit. And that happened. He said that on the fourth. And mm-hmm. I guarantee that same day we had already moved past the point where that was even possible. And like that's that's like my greatest like issue with this whole situation is like that we keep we keep we keep having these opportunities <laughs> for a conversation about things like the culture and like how these things were allowed to happen or how they felt okay. And like, you could, you could then talk about it and be like, when was a time that you had a a choice to make and you made the wrong choice? And like, you know, did you either like suffer for that or did you save yourself in time? And then what do you, what do you say to people who, who are dealing with the same choice? Like, you know, what what would you say to someone whose friend had been hurt by someone of a different group, you know, to help mm-hmm. them to, like, understand, like, what was the sure. process, you know? And instead, like, like, the, like he said, um, you know, it just becomes performative bullshit. It's and I'm sure that somewhere out there, someone had a good conversation off of this, this article. But like, until we take those conversations to a wider audience it it becomes nearly impossible but that's just like the way things are going now uh we can't we can't do that like we're not allowed the 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 symbolic victories are becoming more important to us than any kind of actual any kind of actual discourse and like if at the end of it you still want to say liam neeson's canceled fucking go for it like i'm fine with that but like you can't you can't immediately shut it down by just saying that. Like, that can't be your first and last statement on it. You know? Like, there are people out there who are, like, you know, a lot of people who've gone through life and never had, like, a, a, a racist, like, thought based off of something that someone of an ethnic group did to a loved one. And they are, like, you know, not as famous as Liam Neeson. And I think that, honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, like, that's not true. Sure. I think that, like, this is probably legitimately something that everyone has had to deal with. And, like, even if it's a moment in your brain where you're just, like, that group 
And then this next split second, you're like, wow, that's a dark, horrible thought that I just had. Like, if you're not cognizant of those things, then they like fester inside of you. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's this is a this is a harmless way to break this down. Every time I get cut off by a Prius, or every time I see a Prius that's parked terribly, I'm like, fucking Prius owners. Like, mm-hmm. and that's again, it's the most harmless. I'm probably going to get some people pissed off at me anyway, but it's the most harmless way I can think to do it because that's how our brains are wired. I probably have seen 4 billion Camrys make a non-signaled lane change or park crooked, but Camrys are so nondescript in my head. But when I see a Prius with its distinctive back end at a canted (laughs) angle that makes it so that I can't park, I just think there's another goddamn Prius fucking up everything for the motorists who care like that's how our minds work we forge those connections because it's what used to keep us alive in the jungles like and if we if we can't sit down with those thoughts and feelings admit that they exist and then use that as a way to exercise those those feelings and demons from us you know we're screwed (laughs) we're totally fucked we just keep driving these impulses deeper underground if you're a person who wants to work towards a better world, but your reaction to people who admit to wrongdoing is to cancel them or to belittle them or say that they're not worthy of being alive, then you're driving them underground where they're going to get picked up by people who are totally willing to listen to them. But instead of trying to help them correct themselves, they're going to nurture that and foster that hatred in them and tell them that they're not wrong to be feeling that way. Well, I mean, this this all kind of goes back to how much people put effort and energy into having conversations either on social media or out loud or things like that versus just pointing and laughing or pointing and, and just saying, well, that fuck that person, you know, um, and, and there's a lot of conversation around, you know, just pick a pick a a controversial topic and you can see that on Facebook you can see that on Twitter you can see that in person when someone brings up something that's controversial and some people will just turn and just scoff at them instead of having a conversation about it or instead of trying to figure out why that person thinks that way so i mean that's that's all kind of complicated in how much people put energy into what they're trying to get out of out of this world or out of their interactions online and and shit like that and all you have to do is just go to a youtube comment section and and realize that yeah (laughs) that that like people are fucking terrible and people are lazy and they want to go off of base instincts and they don't want to do research and they don't want to think hard about shit that's not their job you know and some people just don't want to put that effort and energy into into anything and and that even comes back to like what what we do on this podcast some people would hear that we spend two hours talking about a movie and go what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) what is wrong with us though those people are not wrong (laughs) (laughs) but but i mean that's it's it's all about like what you put effort and energy into and what you don't and and sadly and i like Facebook and and Twitter and and all of these social media platforms have really kind of opened the door of just having people that have very little time to spend on on formulating an opinion or reaction to then just be like, well, here's five seconds of my time. Here's my here's my opinion on this entire thing that, you know, someone might spend 40, 50 minutes thinking about. And you spend five seconds reading a headline and you're like, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Well, that's I was going to say your whole statement about like effort and energy. Like you used to have to try to find things like this. Right. And then if you went to all that effort, you used to then feel like you were invested in a way. And so you would talk about it more. But we've kind of sure. skipped past that. Like things are flying by on your feed. And so you see like. Liam Neeson makes like racially charged comment about, you know, whatever. And you're like, oh, well, he must have done that yesterday. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And like you never like and and that's not good. <laughs> but like that never used to be an option for you because if you weren't deeply embedded in these these spheres then you never saw these things. And so like people are now able but like you say that 
and then suddenly you're getting a bunch of likes and you're you're getting a, a bunch of like you know positive reinforcement and it it becomes harder to have an unpopular conversation that could lead to something good because those conversations are then going to be beset by people who are just going to be like an asshole like a complete and utter dick on both sides you know people who will come in and be like you know oh it was 40 years ago it doesn't matter and then people who are like he's a racist he should die and it's like well neither of you are doing any good for this conversation mm-hmm. um Maybe we could try something else. But, like, if you have those conversations in a dark, locked room, that doesn't help any either. I think the other part that does need to be said in that is, like, you know, it's not (laughs) – we're not all uh, wild animals just, you know, fighting or or anything. Like, if you pay attention to, you know, any entertainment industry right now, it is a – it's a – it's a difficult world to try to invest in anyone and to not feel like you're constantly being betrayed, you know, like, fuck. Yeah. Like one of my favorite shows is Mad Men and, and to hear the things that, that Matthew Weiner supposedly did, or, you know, whether you choose to believe the, the, the female writer that, that was on his staff or not, you know, it's, it's, and to see and feel, it it taints, it taints that experience for sure. It's like the community, the same thing happened. And, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, luckily, you know, Dan Harmon, like, came out, verified everything she said, and that was, like, weirdly one of the most well, that was, constructive, that was... positive moments of the whole thing. But yeah, it was bizarrely I mean... how, like, but that was almost comparable to this. And it's like, I, we weren't even asking, but let me get this off my chest. Like, mm-hmm. there is something... I well, don't was... want to say selfish because you're right that this impulse is something or not this impulse, but like wanting to talk about this is healthy, but there's something right. about and if she, this. If she hadn't of... said anything back, I think that that would be easier to see as like a selfish thing. But she like literally responded like, you know, it, it helped to hear that I wasn't crazy to like hear him cop to it, like to hear his confession like that was like she she apparently found that to be in some way like helpful didn't she also at first say like fuck you though like yeah. wasn't she kind of angry yeah i mean she was i, I think i think i think that's that's <laughs> like, understandable un- yeah, yeah like i'm not gonna say like well sure. you know but then she said yeah she had both and both are fucking valid as hell like i can i can understand that like you know to have someone say like Okay, so like I was a dick for like five years, but like you were right. It's like okay, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, actually, like I've had to deal with a lot of like uncertainty about my own self and like my distrust of people, and so to hear you say that actually does help me in my progress towards like becoming sure. whole again after the damage you've done. So thank you for doing like the minimum you could do. But like that was like him doing it for her, and I think setting a precedent for like people moving forward who have the same thing. I mean, like, but yeah, you know. It's a hard time to like anything. Um, everything everything is terrible all the time. And I think that, like, we're still in the situation where, like, the house is on fire and we're rushing to put out all the fires and blaming people for starting the fires. And at this point, like, it's just got to, like, got to burn down so we can build a better system so that the fires don't start in the first place. At, at least movies are still so much better than music. <laughs> Is that a joke about okay. that or not? Because like I don't know much about music, but I assume music. No, is a I, I'm saying there are so many terrible people. I don't ever look up anyone you like in music. Oh no, no, no! Well, I mean, oh like, man, a multinational corporation <laughs> was trying to force Kesha to work with the person who abused her. Yes, like that's really like all I needed to know about music in that mm-hmm. moment. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I am certain that something like this must have happened in movies, but this just feels real egregious yeah like that was that was bad but like yeah like the history of the human race is is not great and we have to like we have to work towards that in some way sure and i think that like like i keep saying like the conversations help like the conversations push us forward and if we are too reactionary you know and again like i don't have a problem with whatever final decision you come to like that's your job as a person is to decide 
who you want to be around and who you who you want to consume media wise um you don't have the right to eat them actually but um you gotta like put the time in and you gotta really start interrogating like the decisions that you make as to like why you're doing it and and what good you're actually doing for yourself i have like a bunch of really liberal friends who are like anyone who espouses even a modicum of conservatism i like cut out of my life mm-hmm. and i'm like but how does that help you to like strengthen your arguments or to understand the other side so that you can even like talk to them to make your points to them better and their response to that is usually you know they don't have to agree with us we'll like force them to do what we want when we win and like sure. that's a, that's like you know that doesn't that, quite exactly, have anything t- to do with that's Liam exactly Neeson, what, but like that's a terrifying thing to hear from someone from any sure. side of the aisle. And and that's exactly what the opposite side of the aisle thinks as well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, okay, so we're just not going to have a conversation, and every four years we're just going to flip flop. Like, awesome. That's that's going to really be good for our economy and like what we do to our health system and all of this other bullshit. Like, no, like we have to have these conversations and we have um... to talk about shit. And yeah, I think I think we do need to to move on at this point. Right. We've been talking for an hour. We still haven't talked about cold. I I think the the last thing that I, you know, maybe I'll just uh, leave it whether you either of you guys want to say this. I mean, it's not I, I don't necessarily think there's going to be a benchmark for someone's apology that it will finally be accepted. But it, it is kind of a question of, of, you know, what what is it going to take for us to have to have a larger discussion about forgiveness other than cancellation? Because it, it seems at this point like it's, you know, it's a little, becoming a little bit of a scorched earth. So I I am. Um... In my, in my mind, I I picture some of the like the biggest and brightest names in Hollywood getting together and saying to themselves like, you know, let's have a closed door session. Let's be brutally honest. Let's like tell each other our stuff, you know, um, like the things that you have done, you know. And this should be like a massive, racially gender sexually diverse group of people, and you know, say what you've done. Like, find the person in this room who what you did would have hurt. And then let's, like, let's, like, hash it out. And, like, then you you have sort of, like, the grand two-hour televised town hall event where these people, like, you know, have an honest conversation with each other. Don't allow anyone from the outside world in. Let them hash it out. See if they're telling each other that there's any kind of, like, good penance that can be done you know, have them ask for forgiveness, you know, because, because again, like these, these interviews and stuff, they're not like, they're not a good, they're not a good, uh, avenue for that. And it sounds hokey as hell to think about it, but like, unless we see people starting to do that and seeing that it can work. But my only concern is that like, we're going to gift the shit out of it. We're going to take sound bites and or someone's going to say something that's not even related to it um and then they're going to they're going to just like lift that it's like you know during discourse about like sexual assault and uh masculine paradigms like x actor used the term off the reservation like do we have to have a deeper cultural conversation about sensitivity toward native peoples mm. you know and so like i, I feel like we're screwed <laughs> i feel like the advent of like instant mass communication has destroyed us. And I don't know if there's any coming back from it. Um, because you know, you used to think about stuff like this and you'd be like, there'd be a moment where everyone would sit down and some good would come of it. But like everything exists forever now and you can keep picking it apart. And it's, uh, it's just, it's just bad. Like, it's just bad. Like I honestly, I don't know. I'm I'm surprised that uh, any of us haven't been canceled yet. Hmm. I mean, we've probably all said shit here that like would cancel the shit out of us. <laughs> you know, hmm. even if it's not probably it's not even if it's not like super bad, but someone would hear what we have said at some point and been like, "Ah, hey, you canceled." If someone would love to go through this whole podcast, all three hundred so episodes, and give us our cancellation memos, I'd be fine with that. 
<laughs> like I'm Brian certain... just Brian just doesn't want to do this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm too ashamed to quit. No, I I'm I like you know I I was uh I was talking to someone and I was like. There was an episode where we talked about like the importance of media representation and then meeting people in our own world that like counteract those narratives. And I brought up that I used to have like a less than enlightened vision of gay people because of willing grace and like images of pride parades. Like, and that was me as like a 14 year old, maybe. But like Mm -hmm. that, that could cancel me. Sure. You know? And like, yeah, I was a shitty kid who only knew about homosexuals because like, it was on TV because none of my friends felt comfortable coming out and like, God bless them for finding that courage and like helping to turn me into a better person. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, Brian, 14 year old, you cancel. God, please cancel. Him. <laughs> you know, ugh. kid fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> Is this going to be a round table now? Should we just release this as a round table? You just want to like cut this part out and release it separately from our actual review of Cold Pursuit? Maybe. I feel like this is a lot to get through if you just want to know how that. good Cold Pursuit is. I don't think... I, here's the weird thing. I think almost any other Liam Neeson movie is a more interesting in relation than this than Cold Pursuit. And that doesn't mean I don't think Cold Pursuit is interesting. I'm saying I don't think... It's like nearly as much about the feelings of revenge as like some of his other movies. I like feel that like it, emotional thing wasn't there as much for me. It does grapple a lot less with the emotions behind revenge than like the kind of pointlessness of revenge. Yeah. Without going like, too much like into the like the gray. Like if the gray right. just came out, I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> if you just want to turn this into a review of the gray, I am down for that. <laughs> classic episode gold goldfish brain i don't i was about to say i don't know about bill but i don't even need to watch it again i can tell (laughs) you immediately everything okay so we open on the oiled fields of alaska (laughs) uh, give me two hours i will go watch it yeah no uh joe anderson what do you think we can we can we can have this discussion afterwards i think i think let's go ahead let's let's get this fucking thing over with and then and then we can decide on slack <laughs> Cut okay. this out, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll make a decision on Slack, and then uh, we'll we'll get back to y'all. <laughs> my question then is, we're we're still going to talk about Cold Pursuit tonight. Your whole thing is just like, do we release them as two separate episodes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. And how yeah. much do we want to even mention this interview now that we've talked about? It? I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say in relation with Cold Pursuit and the interview, to be honest. Yeah, it's hard to find a peg. That's why I was like, should we just talk about it up sure. front? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah we talked about it though. So so yeah, let's yeah. wrap it up. Let's uh let's wrap up this uh this this conversation that three white men have had. Sure. Um <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely canceled. <laughs> we're t- we're totally canceled. Um Yeah, I, I like I like I said, you know, I, I grant you to feel whatever way you want to feel about about Liam Neeson and his moment in particular. Um I just I'm 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 hungry for a moment when we can hear something like this and and just ha- like like i said just have the conversation i know that like there are probably people out there who've had to live with stuff like this for a long time and for whom the conversation is not something they want to have and that's totally fine like mm-hmm. but there should be a moment where we as a society sit down and like just like come clean about the fact that like we're not perfect. Like we're not good. We're not, we're not even like sort of fine as people. And like every day is a fight against the darker parts of yourself that you, you may think that like you're tamping them down, but that like, it might just take a little bit of something to like make you really flip out. Like, and, and that's not healthy. And, and it's, it's our job as members of us of a society to be cognizant of the way that we feel and the things that make us feel that way so that we can maybe identify those feelings in others. You know, I, I, as a person who has had moments like that, you know, I've, I've had to, I, you know, as long as I've been alive, almost, I've been like the confessional for a lot of my friends and it's, it's, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. And I guess I've just got that kind of face and I have had to talk a lot of people down from a lot of ledges, uh, both literal and metaphorical. 
are you hourly or is this just by session or what? Usually if you get a whiskey or two in me, I'll listen to anything you've <laughs> yeah. got to say. Yes, so... yes. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Distillery opening soon. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> distillery slash confessional booth. If you buy a bottle of liquor, I'll listen to anything you have to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it, you know, I'm not forcing anyone to be a part of any conversation that they don't feel like they should have to be a part of or that they can handle being a part of. But I think that we need to be able to have those conversations and saying things like there are people who've never had anything like this either lets me know that you are deeply naive about people or you have a very narrow view of what this is. And like, if you need to pull out some parts so that you can admit to the fact that you've done it yourself, that's fine. You don't have to be a one-to-one, but you've got to start really like looking in interior and saying to yourself, like, when are the moments that I have felt this way? And how does that reflect the other problems that are going on in society? And since I'm hopefully not acting on those, what can I do to make sure that other people don't, don't react on them as well? Uh Yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Well, (laughs) Pursuit. That would be the word I'd used, but yes. I think it's right. worth having the conversation, if nothing else. So I'm glad yeah. we were able to have it. All right, so uh, now on to cold pursuit. Cold pursuits. <laughs> so that is the end of our conversation, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we invite you to send us your thoughts at Film Stage Show on Twitter. The Film Stage Show on Facebook. And of course, if you have long-form thoughts that you just want to give to us personally that we may address on the air, you can email us, podcast at thefilmstage.com. Also, don't forget, you can get a free 30-day trial of MUBI by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. They've got their Sundance takeover and their Berlin Al takeover going on now, and you're not going to want to miss those cinematic gems that their curators are giving you 30 days to watch. Again, that is mu bi.com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial in addition don't forget to follow michael snydell at snydell bill graham at cable bfg and me at brian j rowan all over the internet find more episodes like this and just basic film reviews at our website thefilmstageshow.com so ladies and gentlemen thank you so much and tune in next week